to Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we're going to be for the vast majority of this sermon. Um, and I just kind of wanted to, to kind of talk to y'all about kind of where I'm at personally as we look through this. So uh, right now, I think that so many of us are kind of in that same place where we're in kind of a funk. And with 2020, with all the quarantine, with stuff closing down, with stuff getting canceled, it's so easy to get drawn into that. Uh, for me, I know like my passion is athletics and working out and doing that kind of stuff. And every, every race that I had planned for this year got canceled. And so the past few weeks, I've been kind of like struggling. I'm kind of working out by myself and I don't really know what I'm, what I'm really pushing towards like I normally do. I don't have that vision. I don't have anybody with me to help push me even harder than I normally would go. And I'm, I kind of want to talk to you all about that because it's the exact same way in our spiritual lives as it is in our physical. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And if y'all would stand with me while we read these first two verses. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the cross that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Y'all can be seated. And so this verse is, is such an incredibly comforting, incredibly empowering verse to get me back on track spiritually when I kind of get into the same funk, when I kind of lose my vision and I'm kind of, kind of trying to figure out where I'm going. And so this, the, the, these two verses and really this, this whole passage that we're going to be looking at is a good way to get me grounded because it talks about those same kind of things that I deal with in my physical training. It talks about don't be alone. It talks about having this vision. And so that's what we're going to look at. So whenever we see the word therefore, we always have to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore. Um, and so if we backtrack one chapter, we see that Hebrews 11 is this really, really cool chapter, kind of like a hall of fame for the Bible. And so every great sports has their hall of fame. We can name a ton of different athletes, whether you know anything about that sport or not, that would be in their hall of fame. You've got Tiger Woods for golf. You've got Lance Armstrong for bicycling. You've got all these incredible guys, whether you've ever ridden a bike or not, we all know Lance Armstrong, okay? We've got these guys that we know, and this is, Hebrews 11 is kind of that hall of fame for people biblically. And so we've got all of these really incredible guys, and, and, and women as well. We've got Moses and Abraham and, and Abel, and we've got Sarah and Rahab, and we've got all these people, and it just kind of lists this, these incredible people. And I, I don't want to read just a small chunk of this so that we can see kind of what, what it's talking about. Verse, chapter 11, verse 4 says this. It says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up, so he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed the ark for the saving of his household. 
by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Here it is again. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And the chapter goes on and on and on. And this word faith comes up 25 times in this chapter. 25 times we see faith. 25 times we see these incredible people do these incredible feats. Just a show of hands, ladies, if your husband came up to you and said, all right, we're going to move. I don't know where, but we're just going to start driving out west. Don't worry, though. We're going to bring a tent, all right? When we get there, I think we'll know it, and we're just going to live in tents until we got that figured out. Show of hands, how many are cool with that? Okay, so it's not just my wife that's not cool with it. I'm just trying to see if we're all on the same page, okay? But that's exactly what Abraham did. He said, God is telling us to go, so we're going to go by faith. These two words come up all over this chapter, by faith. That is what allowed these people to get into this hall of fame, this hall of faith. And it's not an exhaustive list. But that chapter goes on to list all of these incredible feats that are done only through faith. And so when we get to chapter 12 and we see, therefore, since all these guys did this through faith, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I'd have to agree with the author, this is a pretty great group to surround yourself with. You know, one of the things in student ministry that we can do is if we want to learn more about a student, we look at their friends. Who are they hanging out with? You can tell a lot about a student by looking at who they choose to be surrounded with. And we know that these great, great people from the past are surrounding us. And it's through this that it says, let us also. Man, that, 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 those three words kind of hit me. Because it's like, let us also have that faith that these guys had. So not only are we called to have faith, not only are we called to pursue Christ, but we're called to do it as well as these other guys, as well as these Hall of Famers. If somebody said, hey, I want you to go play golf as good as Tiger Woods, you'd be like, ha ha, good luck with that. But that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is telling. He says, let us also, let us also, we can have this, we can do what they did, because guess what, it's not up to you, it's up to God, it's up to your faith. And we achieve this by what? By laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, church, there's two things in in this first verse that I really want to key on. The first thing is being surrounded. All right? We were never meant to do this alone. If we were meant to do this alone, then Jesus came for nothing. If we had to do this on our own, then Jesus came for absolutely nothing. I don't think anybody in this building would would agree with that. We were never supposed to do this alone. We're surrounded by these people from the past. We're surrounded by Christ who is at the right hand of God, who is making petition for us constantly. Like we read in Romans 8. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And church, I'm here to tell you that you are surrounded by people right here in this building that love and will uplift you. Through this quarantine, there's so many of us that feel alone, that feel separated, that feel isolated. 
And church, I'm here to tell you that when you feel like that, it's not okay to say, no, it's okay. It is not okay to be okay with that. It's not okay to be alone. It's not okay to feel like that. That's what the church was built for. The church is not a building. The church is this body of people in here. That's our job is to love on you. That's our job to uplift you. That's your job to uplift others and love on them. And so we are not to do this alone. But the second part is to cast aside every weight. So I've got this little prop. Students love props, so we're going to see how this works with adults. Uh, so this is a weight vest, and it's not real light. It weighs about 30 pounds. So if I was to go run a 5K competitively, how many people in here would think this would help me? Nobody? One? Okay, okay, okay. Nobody would go into a race and purposely weigh themselves down. What do runners wear? They wear almost nothing. It's a little scandalous, really. <laughs> but they don't wear weights. They don't keep things holding them back. Guys, the same as they do physically, we are called to do spiritually. You see, when we're trapped in sin, it starts to weigh on us. The guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, the feeling that you're not good enough, it starts to weigh on you. I don't know about y'all, the longest I've ever worn this for was like two hours, and I was dead. I was so tired. My shoulders were killing me, and I just could not go on anymore. But we live our entire lives weighed down with sin. We go day after day after day of letting that weigh us down. But here's my question, guys. If we as Christians believe that Christ came and did what he said he did, and he took our sin and he nailed it to the cross, why are we still holding it? He says to cast it aside. Get rid of it. Be done. He said, I've taken that and I've nailed it to the cross. Why do you keep picking it back up? It's holding you back. It is keeping you from running the race that's set before you. So why do we keep running back to it? Well, it's because we lose vision. Look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I don't know how many people have done like a trail run before, but it's really easy to get lost if you're looking at your feet. You've got to be looking at where the trail goes. It is super easy to get lost. And that's the exact same way in our Christian lives. If we take our eyes off of Christ, we start to sink. Matthew chapter 14 is this incredible story. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And so him and his disciples, they take a break and they go across the lake and, and Jesus is like, I'm going to go up this mountain to pray. And so he goes and he does this thing and the disciples get tired, so they're sleeping in the boat because they're fishermen, so where else would you sleep? And as the night goes on, they kind of drift and they, and they end up in the middle of this lake and Jesus comes down off the mountain and being Jesus, he's like, all right, well, I guess I'll just walk out there to him because that's a totally normal thing. And so he, he goes out there, and look at what it says in, in chapter 14, verse 26. It says, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. 
And they cried out in fear. I'm going to go ahead and say, like, the disciples get a lot of bad rap, but, like, I'd be with them on this one. I'm, I'm, all right. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, the entire time that Peter was walking with his eyes on Christ, he was doing really well. He was walking on the water. But as soon as he looked and he saw the wind was whipping, he began to sink. It says, immediately. As soon as he took his eyes off of Christ, as soon as we, he quit looking at Christ, he sank. Guys, that is the exact same for all of us. When we start getting into this funk and we start taking our eyes off of Christ, we start missing quiet times. We start feeling further away from Christ and we start asking God, like, God, where'd you go? And he's saying, I'm, I'm still here. Where are you? Guys, that's, when we take our eyes off of Christ, we start to sink. We are to look to Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Not only is He where our faith begins, He is the foundation of it, but He's the one that perfects it. How much work does that involve you? Not much. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It's not a whole lot. Christ does all of that for you. All we have to do is look to Him. We look to Him as we cast off our sins. We look to Him as we run the race. We look to Him as we plant our foundation of faith. We look to Him as He perfects our faith. And we look to Him as we run with endurance the race that is set before Him. Us, sorry. Before us. He's already finished His race. We already know, we already know the ending of His race. So when we are running, we are to look to Him. You see, like I said earlier, I've been kind of a funk physically because I don't have anything that I'm looking to. I don't have anything that I'm, uh, that I'm doing with, with somebody else. I'm just kind of going through the motions. And I think this quarantine has a lot of us doing the same thing. I think this quarantine has a lot of us saying, I don't, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just kind of alone. I don't really know where I'm going with this. And here, I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that Jesus is where you're supposed to be going. We just have to refocus. You have to turn back to Him and refocus. Because right now, He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And Romans 8 tells us that He is making petition for us constantly. You see, as we go through life and we do these things and, and with physical training and spiritual training, there's a lot of overlap there. You see, when I'm, when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing physically, my endurance is growing. When I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing physically, my discipline is growing. When I have somebody there at 5 a.m. at the gym and they're waiting on me and I'm like, yeah, I got to get up. But if they weren't there, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm sleeping in. It's, I'm tired. When I'm working out with somebody that's stronger than me, I'm naturally pushing myself harder because I want to keep up. 
when I'm doing these things, uh, my discipline is growing, my endurance is growing, I'm working together. But, if, but spiritually, it's the exact same thing. Look at, at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. It says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It says, when we keep our eyes on Christ, we're not going to get tired. Because we see what he's done, we see what he has gone through, so that we don't get as tired. Verse 4, and your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I think that's probably true for most of us in here. Thankfully, we live in a place where we don't have to do that. But Christ did. Not that he deserved it, but that's exactly what he went through. Look at verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And finally, verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, as we go through our spiritual lives, as we grow, as we keep our eyes on Christ, as we run that race set before us, we grow in endurance. We're not going to grow tired and weary as quickly as we did before. We grow in discipline by getting up, by pursuing him every single day, by making that choice, like we talked about earlier, choosing to praise Him every single day, we grow in discipline. And you can't grow in one discipline, in one aspect of your life, and not carry it over to everything. That's the cool thing about discipline, is when you're growing in it in one aspect, you're growing in it across your entire life. And at times, it can seem painful. You know, Paul Paul kind of has a different little outlook on that when he says that we, uh, we are allowed, we get to suffer with Christ. We get to do that. And for the moment, it does seem painful. But later, it yields the fruit of righteousness. It yields eternal life that we get to spend with Christ. Verse 12, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make straight the paths of your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Sam, pick yourself up. I know you're in this funk. Pick yourself up. You've got all of this going for you. Pick yourself up, refocus on Christ, and make straight the path. Head towards Him. Don't take all these detours. Don't get off the track. Don't do this. Stay on the path set before you. I think that's one of the most comforting part of all of this. Is that if we keep our eyes on Christ, we're not going to get lost. We have the path set before us. I don't know about y'all, but being lost in the woods is not something fun to be. I mean, for a minute, but if you get like right back found, you can like look back on it and be like, man, that was awesome, but... Not so much when we're talking about Christ. Not so much when we're talking about eternal life. It's kind of an important thing. And he sets the path before us. All we have to do is follow it. So let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So church, I'm here to tell you that we can have the same faith that these Hall of Famers do. We can. But we can't do it alone. But the good part is we were never meant to. We were never meant to do it alone. 
One last thing, and before I close. So back all the way in Genesis, God is creating everything. He's creating all of creation. And every time he creates something, he says, it was good. Church, what do you think the very first thing in all of creation that was not good? Any idea? Genesis 2.18 tells us, Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. We were never designed to do this alone. From the very beginning, that was the very first thing in all of creation that wasn't good, is that Adam didn't have Eve. We were never meant to do this alone. So why do we try? Why do we say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine, I'm good, how are you? When we're hurting. Why do we try and put on this facade that we're okay in these times when we feel alone? Church, it is not okay to think that's okay. We are here to lift you up. We are called to lift each other up. We are surrounded by people in this church. We are surrounded by people of the past that lift us up and, perf- and, and keep our eyes looking to Christ as he perfects our faith. And that's really good news to me that we're not supposed to do it alone because I struggle. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I get into a funk. Sometimes I, I struggle to say, all right, I'm really excited to get in the Word this morning. Maybe that's crazy. Maybe I'm the only one, but I doubt that. Maybe it's weird because I'm up here on the stage and I'm saying that, but I doubt that I'm the only one that feels that way. Because church, you're not meant to do it alone. And so as we refocus on Christ, as we refocus others on Christ, we know that we are able to cast off our sins because He has already taken that. He has already paid the price for that. We don't have to carry it. We're not supposed to carry it. If if Christ came and died for our sins, why are we still holding on to it? So cast that aside. Look to Christ, and He will grow our faith. He will perfect our faith as we lift others up. So church, that's my encouragement. If you're feeling alone, if you're just kind of out of it, Know that you're not alone. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody in this building. Talk to another friend. Talk to somebody. Because we were never meant to go through it by ourselves. Can we do that? Awesome. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the comfort that you provide. We thank you for the price that you paid on our behalf. We thank you for each and every person that you bring into our lives to lift us up, to keep us focused on Christ as he goes through and perfects our faith. God, that we don't have to hold on to that sin anymore, that we don't have to bear that weight anymore, that we don't have to grow weary, that we can grow in discipline and we can look to the fruits that come from it. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your son and what he's done for us. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As they pray this song, um, we're going to go into the time of communion. And at the Last Supper, Jesus, he said to his disciples, 
Take of this bread as my body, broken for you, as we do in remembrance of him. And then he said to them with the cup, he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take this in remembrance of me. So church, as we take a moment to just remember what he's done, to remember what he's poured out for us, remember what was broken for us, reach out to him. Reach out to him. Thank him and turn to him.